Amen. Amen. Who saw that beautiful rainbow as, as we came in this morning? Amen. The rainbow, for those of you who don't know, it's a promise that God has given us that he will never let the, the earth again, found in Genesis chapter 10. So on my way in, I was like, Lord, where's the rainbow? Where's the rainbow? And then as I got closer into Mountain View, I saw that beautiful rainbow that went all the way across the entire perimeter of the sky. And it's just beautiful to see God and to see his promises. Um, what an amazing God that we serve. The title of this message, and I titled it this way because I really want you to understand and realize the seriousness of the God that we have and the God that we serve. The title of this message is, what do I offer God for eternal life? What do I offer God for eternal life? And Pastor Sharon came up and she was talking about volunteers for um, our children's ministry. One of my friends went to a church that every single person that had a child in children's ministry had to serve. So just consider that and just think about it. If your child is in the ministry, but you sit in the sanctuary every single Sunday, just consider, you know, volunteering once a month, once every other month. Just, just be there for our children. Heavenly Father, let us pray. Lord, I thank you first and foremost that you are God and beside you there is no other. Lord, I praise you and we praise you. And we just ask, Lord, that as we talk about the spiritual gifts that you have disseminated to all of us, you have given us all a spiritual gift that we would hear from you if we don't know at this point what our gift is and that we would um, be obedient, Lord, to the calling and to what you have given us to use it for your glory. We pray this, and I thank my God for all of you that are here. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So we're going to start off in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 8, and it says, Romans 12, 1 to 8, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, 
Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 says, So Christ himself gave the, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. So Matthew 28 and 19 talks about the Great Commission. And myself as an evangelist, I love telling people about Jesus. But every single person here is under that Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19. Every single person here has to tell people about Jesus. That's a mandate. And I hope by the end of this message today that every single person in here feels comfortable to be able to go out and to lead somebody to Christ. Because I'm going to tell you, God will send people your way. I grew up Catholic. How many people grew up Catholic? Yeah, usually it's, it's close to half, half of the people. So um, in the Catholic Church, they have this thing called CCD. And CCD is uh, like a fraternity of Christian doctrine. It's called Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. For those of us, we never knew what CCD meant. But it is when the Catholic children have to go, typically on a Saturday or a Sunday, um, to do what's like a Bible study. And so my sister Vanessa hated going. And it was just for different reasons that she really, really didn't like to go. But I like to go not because of the teaching, but because they had Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> so every single child got two Krispy Kreme donuts and a carton of milk. So I cannot even tell you any of the lessons that they taught us when we were younger, but I just remember those Krispy Kreme donuts. And Krispy Kreme started in the South. So they had like, 
They, they, they just taste it better than the Krispy Kreme donuts in California, right? Anybody from the South, can, can I get a testimony there? You know, they were just, and they were shaped like um, a hexagon. I don't know what that meant, but they, they had six sides and they were just warm and wonderful and all of the above. So I remember when I was in the Catholic Church, we used to pray to Mary a lot. And um, the one thing, being in Catholicism, I remember was that I did at least know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I knew that he died on the cross for my sins. And that's one of the things that I took with me. When I was 17 years old, after going through all of the indoctrination of the Catholic Church, and we were faithful. My mom had us there every single Sunday, and we were in CCD every week. But when I turned 17, I had this conversation with God. And I said, God, if this is all there is, this is not enough. If this is all there is, this is not enough. So I was a 17-year-old graduating from high school, and I knew that there was something missing in my life. I knew there was an emptiness there. And so I graduated from high school in Japan, Kubasaki High School, and my father was in the military, so after um, I graduated, I came back to California and started college. But when I was searching for the Lord, and when I finally found him, or really he finally found me, and he took the blindness away from me, and he opened my eyes so that I could see who he was, I said, Lord, I will never not tell because I was surrounded by people who knew Jesus, or supposedly they knew Jesus, but they never told me about Jesus. So my uncle was a pastor at Antioch Baptist Church in San Jose, and I would have the Bible study group, the women, the Inez Jackson Circle women come to my home. And then my husband went to Corinth Baptist Church and all of my in-laws, and I had Christian friends around me, but nobody would tell me about Jesus. And so I just told the Lord, and I hope the same for you, is that once you know Jesus, you will open up your mouth and you will speak about Jesus. We are talking about spiritual gifts. One of the things that I want to impart with you today is of your five teaching pastors that you have, Elder Keith, Elder Anthony, Pastor Jason, Pastor Sharon, and myself, Pastor Valerie. We have over 100 years of service at Abundant Life. <clears throat> Over 100 years of service we've been here. And we started from the very beginning. So we've served preaching, 
teaching, praise and worship, counseling. We parked cars out in the old days when we needed to. I can hear a few hands going up and some amens. We visited the sick. We gave communion. We checked on members. We performed weddings, funerals, baptisms. We served members as biblical counselors. We prayed over you. We knocked on doors. We evangelized. We witnessed to the unsaved. We visited the jails. We served meals. And all of that to say is, too much is given, much is required. And every single one of us who was in this building, because we have been saved by the mercies of Jesus Christ, much is required of you. Not just the pastors and the teaching team, but every single person in here, much is required of you. James chapter 2 and verse 24 says, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And verse 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works or deeds is dead. And that's to say, because of what the word says, and because of what Jesus did for us, we really do not get to just come and sit. We don't. That's not even an option that God is giving us. When we look at verse 1 and 2 in the book of Romans, this is an introduction to the gifts. So it's a prelude before we get to the gifts. Verse 1 and 2 tell us this. The scholar says, It sets forth the fundamental obligation one must meet before he is prepared to face the challenges of living as a believer. So before you get to live as a believer, God has given us a fundamental obligation that we have to adhere to that we need to do. The Apostle Paul is urging us, he's pleading, he's asking us, because of God's mercy towards you, towards us, and eternal life is the greatest mercy that God has given us. There's no greater mercy that, that God can give us than eternal life. In the Old Testament, when there is a sacrifice, they put the sacrifice on the altar and they set the, the sacrifice aflame and the entire sacrifice was burned and the aroma of that sacrifice went up into the nostrils of God himself and it was a pleasing sacrifice to him. None of it was left. All of it was taken away, and God enjoyed that pleasing aroma. We are the pleasing aroma to God. 
because we are the living sacrifice. So because of all that we're saying, the introduction, how are we to live? How does this apply to us? What are we supposed to do? The first one is we have to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We have to offer ourselves to God as a pleasing aroma, as a living sacrifice that comes up to him. And that is going to be using our gifts for him. He gives us the gifts, so we can't even boast about it because God gave it to us. So you can't act like your gift is any better than someone else's gift because it's not. That's not how God ordained it. He ordained it that every single person, no matter what you do, you are here to serve. And God has every gift right here, right now in the body of abundant life. You know, so we really don't have to go outside of these walls and search for people because we've got the praise and worship singers here. We've got the director of the children's ministry here right now. We've got the workers who are going to go into the nursery. We've got the people who serve us after church. We have the people who are up doing the, um, the IT stuff and putting the slides and doing everything for us. And there's always, always a lot of work behind the scenes to do this. And all of us need to come along and each other, beside each other, and help to do the work. And then we have to be transformed as Christians, transformed by the renewing of our minds. So when the thoughts come in, the Lord allows us to take the thoughts captive. We take the thoughts that are not pleasing to him captive. And that's what we're supposed to do. And as we're doing number one and number two, the scholars say that the spiritual life received from God in the new birth is the presupposition of a sacrifice acceptable to God. Christian sacrifice, though may decisively once and for all, has in view a life of service to God. So once we know and we get this concept into our minds that our lives are a sacrifice, living sacrifice, and we do these things as a precursor because of our acceptance once we do it to God, the pleasing aroma that comes up to his nostril. We get excited. We are willing. We are dedicated to serve the Lord because of the eternal life that he gave us. It amazes me always to this very day that Jesus lives inside of me, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, that once you invite Jesus into your life, he comes in and he's there forever. And the reason that he's there forever is because it's not us who is responsible for him to come in. It's him. 
He's the one who makes the decision as he draws us. When I was that 17-year-old saying, Lord, if this is all there is, this is not enough. Because God puts something inside of every single person that talks about his glory and that talks about him. So man is without excuse. So you won't be able to get to heaven and say, well, I didn't know, or I never heard the message. Because the heavens declare the glory of God. And there's something that God has planted in us that yearns and thirsts for him, that we want that savior. Now he gives us volition. He gives us a will and we can decide to do that. We can decide to accept Jesus as our Lord and savior, or we can walk away. But men are without excuse because God put it in us to let us know. I want you to look at when I first started evangelism, I had this old copy of mm, a piece of paper, and I used to duplicate it and Xerox it off. Because when I, coming out of the Catholic Church, I really didn't know a lot about the Bible and a lot about church. So I would just Xerox off, and TJ's going to put it up for me. I would just Xerox off this piece of paper, and I would make copies of it. Copies and copies and copies and copies because I didn't know the scripture. But I knew that God was the Savior. And I knew that I had to bring Jesus into my life to save me. So I, if nothing else, because I didn't know anything else, that I knew and I could tell people. So I could tell people, you needed a Savior. And here is a copy of the scriptures that you need you know, and let's pray and invite Jesus into your life. And God sent many people to me to witness to and to pray so that they could accept Christ into their life. Because when you know little, God is going to send people to you that need to know little. <laughs> right? And you know more than the person who hasn't accepted Christ. So you can witness to people with no fear because God is a God of fear. I mean, God is not a God of fear. He is a God of love and perfect love casts out fear. And really, it's not about us anyway, right? We know that because uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 says that one person plants and one person waters but it is God, the Holy Spirit, that gives the increase. So when we know that, we can witness to somebody and not have to be afraid because it's not about us. But we know that God sends us to people. I was knocking on doors, and I knocked on the door of a Mormon lady. And I said, um, you know, would you like to invite Jesus into your life to have him as your Savior? And she said, I do have Jesus into my life. He is my Savior. <clears throat> and then I said, um, are you born again? And she said, yes, I'm born again. And I knew that there was a difference between the Mormon faith 
and Christian faith. But I really didn't know what it was at the time. So God said, okay, it's time for you to go to seminary. So in 1999, I graduated with my master's degree in apologetics and counter cults. So I had to get some more knowledge in me instead of just Jesus. So we can talk about what the Mormons believe versus what the Christians believe in another message and what some other people believe and why Christianity is so different and why we are so narrow-minded, but everybody is narrow-minded, <laughs> right? Everybody wants us to believe that what they believe is the truth. So as Christians, we don't have to apologize that we're narrow-minded because we are and they are too. <laughs> I was at a, a picnic in North Carolina and it was um, a reunion and a picnic. And some of you may have heard these sto this story before and I don't think most of you have, but <clears throat> I was talking to this lady who was the photographer who was taking pictures. And she, you know, told me a little her life story. She told me, you know, the issue her mom was sick and that things were not going well for her. And I really felt like I was supposed to witness to her and I was supposed to tell her about Jesus. And I didn't do it. So I said, Lord, if you would have her call me on the phone tomorrow, then I will witness to her. And so the next day the phone rang. And it was my friend, her name is Lana. And I said, Lana, and I don't even know the lady's name who was the photographer because that didn't really matter because it's not about me. It's about the Lord. I said, Lana, um, where is that lady who um, was here taking pictures yesterday? And she said, um, as a matter of fact, she's here right now. And I said, would you give her the phone for me? And um, she gave her the phone. And the only thing that I said is, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And she said, yes. And so I prayed. I explained Romans A, B, and C. And we're going to put that up as well. We have a slide that we've created for you. And it's, the ABCs, it's not the long form that I used to have when I used to go out and make copies of it. And I really want all of you to take your cell phones out because I want you to take a picture of this. Mm -hmm. So every single person, I want you to take your cell phones out and take a picture. That's my daughter. That's why she's. <laughs> yeah. Move, 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 move. <laughs> so, she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into her life. And then, right after that, you know, she started crying. And then she gave the phone back to my friend. And my friend said, why is she crying? 
I said, because she's accepted Jesus Christ into her life. I said, no, I'm going back home to California. So you need to take care of her and disciple her, get her in church, and just help her out. When I first became a Christian, and even now, I read my Bible every day, and I get so excited to see what the Lord is going to say and how he's going to speak to me. But when I first got saved, I was like reading the Bible all day and all night. And the words of the Bible, they become illuminated. Because once you accept Christ in your life, the Bible is a living book. And the Bible, the words were just popping off of the page. And I was just so excited, like, oh my gosh, I've looked in the Bible before, but I never saw this. I didn't even know this. This is something new. But God will illuminate the Bible, and the words will be just sweet, like the honey in a honeycomb. It is just the sweetness of God's word. And I would call people, and I would tell them about God's word. And my sister Pam said, I would be talking for so long. Like I would talk for hours, but I would talk for an hour straight. And she said they would just lay the phone down. (laughs) And then, you know, they would come back periodically and say, "Uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. So that is the love that God gives us and the excitement that he gives us because he is such a good God. And then we just go out with this little innocent faith that we have that God is going to do it. And it doesn't really matter. I remember when Francis Chan was here and he was... um, preaching for a minute of time at our service. And Francis said he used to be fearful to go out. And I would think, gosh, why would you be fearful? Because it's not about you, it's about God. But I'm saying for everybody, just take that fear away. And God will give you the words that you need to say when you need to have those words. And it's never failed me yet that God always gives me the words that I need to say to different people. I just have to open up my mouth and speak. And it it doesn't, um, I will just tell you that it is one of the most exciting things in life when you've led somebody to Christ and you've prayed and they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because you let God use you. Verses 3 and 4, and it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So when we have our church picnics, and in my mind, at the end of the picnic, I'm looking around to see people, you know, who haven't gotten the chance to eat. And not just me, other people do as well. So I'm taking a plate of food to somebody, maybe who's just been watching us from afar, or someone who, um, you know, lives in some of the, the RVs that are in the area where we live. But I would not be able to take food to someone unless there was someone there who cooked the food. I wouldn't be able to be at the picnic unless there was someone who coordinated the picnic. There's someone who coordinated the games. There's someone who is overseeing and watching the children. There's a setup committee. There's a cleanup committee. That's what we are in the body of Christ. We belong to each other. So we are supposed to work to help each other. So if there's a call that goes out that says, we need help with such and such, there should be so many people, like when they were building the temple and God said, bring, you know, fabric, bring this, bring that, bring gold, bring your jewelry. Okay, wait, stop, we've got enough. You don't have to bring anymore. There should be so many people who are volunteering to help at Abundant Life that somebody has to say, okay, we're good. We're good. We have enough people. Don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought. In Proverbs chapter 6, starting at verse 16, that's one of my favorite scriptures as well because it says, God himself says, there are six things that I hate. No, seven that are despicable, that I despise. And it's not the sins that the church likes to quote as the bad sins. The first one on the list is haughty eyes, having prideness in you. So, and the other ones talk about church folks gossiping and talks about lying and causing division in the church and evil. Not some of the things that the church folks like to quote and say, this is the kind of sin that grieves God. No, we are talking about the seven that God hates, that he despises. Chapter um, 12 and verse 5 says, we each belong to each other. 6 and 8, the gifts are given by God. So it's going to be like, in the Bible, it talks throughout about different crowns that we receive based on the work that we do. And when we get to heaven, the crowns that we receive, we are going to throw them at the feet of Jesus. We're going to throw every crown at the feet of Jesus because God is the one who gave us the desire to do the things that we do. So we talked a long time about evangelism, and that's because I'm an evangelist. But that is also because every single one of you needs to be an evangelist as well. 
And I am just excited for people to be able to come to me at some point and say, um, I had never led someone to Christ, but I was listening because God opens your ear to hear what that person is saying. And when he opens your ear, listen to what people are saying. And people are saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to be his mouth and his ears on this earth to be able to lead someone to Christ. So the first gift that I'm talking about was evangelism. The second gift is teaching. Teaching has to do with knowledge. But every single one of us is a teacher, and we start with our families. We start with our families. We have to teach our children, don't touch the hot stove, you know, don't do this or don't do that. And we have to teach our children that there is a Jesus. And that, as Pastor Sharon said, yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me that. The Bible tells me so. So we start off as teachers, but there are other teachers that are here within Abundant Life that God has given you an assignment and there are certain things that you know you're supposed to do that you haven't done yet. But for all the teachers, I am grateful and thankful. How many, I'm going to say first evangelists, how many evangelists do we have in here? Camila, you're an evangelist? <laughs> okay. And then how many teachers do we have in here? Okay, a lot of teachers. The next one is something that everybody can raise their hand on, right? It's encouraging and exhortation. Everyone can give words of affirmation to someone else. I remember my uh, brother-in-law, Pastor Lonell, in North Carolina. He was a senior pastor of his church. And um, two of the young people went out to a party, and they got in at 2 a.m. And he said, those young people had the nerve to come in here at 2 a.m. and get up and go to church. And I started laughing. And I said, that's so funny because I've been in the family long enough to know you before you got saved. <laughs> and then he had to start laughing because he knew, you know. So don't let us look at the log in our brother's eye, you know, when we have the log in our eye and our brother just has the speck. So make sure we give grace and words of encouragement to other people always. Yeah, my, my niece, Janita, says, um, be kinder than necessary because everybody is going through something, That's right? right? The, so how many encouragers do we have? Amen. Okay, we're going to make you an encourager at some point. <laughs> the next gift is giving. Um, and giving can be financial or it can be just giving of yourself, um, I had a friend once who said she had the gift of giving. She said, but then I realized I was borrowing the money on my credit card to give the gifts. So I was really kind of thinking, maybe I don't have the gift of giving. 
So, you know, make sure if you're gifting that it's something that you have already. Because <laughs> verse 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints in chapter 12. Um, the next gift is leading and leadership. All of us have called. No, we've, we've already talked about that. Now let's talk about mercy, the last one. Uh, mercy is just really having compassion and ministering to people who are sick with our loving kindness or just ministering to people. I have a brother-in-law. His name is Leon Jr., and he's in North Carolina. And he never stops helping people every single day. He will take someone to their doctor's appointment. He once was under this little crawl space that was like this, trying to fix someone's air conditioner. He said, I won't do that again, because that was a little scary. He goes around the community and takes meals to people if they're hungry, or he just knows that that person doesn't have the resources to be able to have food. He and uh, when you have a well in your home, you have to make sure the water keeps running so the pipes don't freeze. So he would take a light bulb and put it inside of their well, you know, if it burns out because they may not be checking to make sure that it warms the water so that, you know, the pipes don't burst. And he would um, have so many keys on his his belt because people in the community would give them their keys to their house. And they would say, just come in. So I'm, I'm going to say easily at one point he probably had 30 or 35 keys on his belt, helping different people. I want to leave you with this today. I want to leave you with 1 John 3.16. And 1 John 3.16 says... This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would just take this word and that you would multiply it, that you would just sink it into our hearts, Lord that your people would just show up and show out because they are so excited, Lord, and that they are internalizing this wonderful scripture and scriptures that you have given us. Lord, that they would just be ready and eager to work because you gave us eternal life. So what do we give you? and return. All praise, glory, and honor belong to you, Heavenly Father. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.